This episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies was brought to you by longtime Patreon supporters like Greg Bench, Trey Whetstone, Amy Swan, Joel Robertson, and Kevin Corby, and new patrons like Billy D. Stick around for an extended shout out at the end. Now on to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, the father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick. Jackson the Sun, and happy third anniversary to Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> happy New Year or whatever. I guess that also happened. Yeah. So we are typically a spoiler podcast. But for this episode, one of my favorites of the year, this is our top 10 of 2021. So... We may inadvertently spoil some horror movies, but we will try to avoid major spoilers for some of the more obscure choices, you know, if any. But first of all, we are back. We haven't recorded in over a month. Um, We had to take a bit of a break because you, my beloved only son, um, had some health problems, uh, which you've come through. A lot of people were thinking about you and praying for you, and I want to thank them for that. Uh, Greg, Pearl, Jay of the Dead, Dave and Jackie Becker, Gilman Joel, Brian Scott, Ash, over and over again. There's several. Bill the Butcher, um, all were pulling for you. Thank you all. And Jackson, never scare me that way again. Um, I'll try not to. And I appreciate all the sympathies. Um, yeah, it's, and now I feel that there's a big pressure on this episode to deliver because it's the first one in a while. Um, but uh, but I think this one will deliver because I'm excited to talk about it. And this is going back to our roots here. That's right. This is how we began it, right? Mm-hmm. So explain to our kind listeners how we were going to do our top 10. Okay, so usually the way we do it is we have a top 15. We start with our five honorable mentions. We go round robin um, and we go back and forth. This year, um, I didn't see as many horror movies. This is actually one of the first years I saw more non-horror releases than horror movies. Um, But um, I only have two honorable mentions. I did see 15 movies. I actually saw 17 new releases this year, um, new horror releases, that is. And honestly, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Uh, those, uh, if I were to make a top 15, my number 15 thing would be like a five out of 10. So um, mm. I'm going with the top 12 this year. Um, that's 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 just what I'm doing. I know you have seen like what, like almost 50 new release horror movies oh, this year. Oh, I've seen between 60 and 65 somewhere. Oh my gosh! So yeah. a top 15 must be actually difficult for you to make. Oh, I will list off my honorable mentions from my letterbox account, even though I, I right now that's private. I will make it public after this releases. But um, I saw a lot of really good horror films. I didn't see anything this year on the level of Get Out or Hereditary or something like that. Um, but I, I, I saw a lot of good films. And then I have some also watched and with the exception of a couple, which we'll talk about in a minute, most of them were decent to good to very good. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I've I sort of have felt the same thing. Like, well, let's talk about first of all, let's talk about twenty twenty one as a year in general, yeah. um, just really briefly, because like I said, I I watch more non horror movies this year than that's usually not how it goes. I think since we started the podcast, it's been you know, three-fourths horror movies and then, like, maybe, yeah. like, a James Bond movie or whatever that year. Um, and I I actually haven't seen the new James Bond movie. So. I just watched it Friday night. 
So um, I thought it was good. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I'm the same way. But in this past year, uh, my wife, uh, the lovely Megan, our former producer and editor, she started working at home and she hates horror movies. Yeah. Well, that created a problem. Um, sure. <laughs> so, you know, unless I can sneak a horror movie in while she's upstairs in our office doing work, it's hard to sneak one in. And I'm doing a Ph.D. program and I have a full time job and I have three puppies. So. It, it, it was a difficult year to get to everything. But, and I will say, I don't think 2021 was as good as 2020, definitely not as good as 2019, 2018. But I still thought it was decent. I thought we had a lot of, like I said, a lot of, I, like I said, I saw close to 65 horror movies. And with the exception of maybe 10 of them, all of them were like three stars on Letterboxd for above. Yeah. I kind of had the same thing. I think most of the ones I watched fell into the three-star, three-and-a-half-star um, kind of thing. And like I said, I, I started college this year, and uh, I kind of had like a little bit of a health struggle in, in December into January, so I didn't watch anything there to prepare. I watched a couple this week. But, um, yeah, I didn't see very many new-release horror movies. But I made so many good horror, like, memories this this year. Like, awesome. Um, like meeting Joe Bob and Darcy, right? Yes. Watching a drive-in horror film festival with with Dr. Shock um, and being on Land of the Creeps to talk about Godzilla for six hours and being there opening night for like my most anticipated movies of 2021 and um, and, and having great conversations. And being on a lot of other podcasts too. Like yeah. we were on Retro Movie Geek. We were on, you know, we were on a lot Considering of other Considering the cinema, the DVD infatuation podcast, I guessed it on that. Had a lot of fun recording podcasts. I probably spent as much time recording podcasts as I did actually watching movies. Um, and that's so much fun for me. I had great conversations too with people online, like on Twitter, um, with for people all over the world. I mean, people have written in that are listening from like four different continents. We have listeners yep. in North America, South America, Europe, and even Africa. I had the pleasure of speaking to one of our listeners from Egypt earlier this year, which was crazy. Wow. Um, and we've got uh, a I, devoted listener from Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Got, yeah. Which yep. is a Patreon supporter, which is awesome. Yeah. That I never thought that you know, it would spread that way. I saw lots of classic horror movies this year for the first time um, that I'm embarrassed to say that I watched for the first time this year, so I won't name any. You can check my letterbox, though. Um, I mean, it's, it's been a great year to be a horror fan, but honestly, like you said, to switch tones, I think this, this year's new release is kind of pale in comparison to the last couple of years. And I don't know why that is. I, I, I think it may be because, and I was worried about 2020, right? Because we were in the pandemic and I was like, so these things coming out, you know, how's that going to work? But now we're actually in the pandemic and production is having to be done during the pandemic now. So I feel like the ones we got this year weren't as good um, as the ones from from uh, 2020. But that's not to say there weren't some gems in there. I'm really excited to talk about my top three in particular. I am um, too. Yep. But uh, before that, I have some some little housekeeping items to attend to. First of all, a lot of the buzz buzzworthy movies this year I didn't see. And I regret to say that I didn't see or I didn't finish them. I'm going to go ahead and say I did not see the Fear Street trilogy. I started the first Fear Street. Oh. I started it, didn't get to finish it. I wasn't in, like immediately, you know, I didn't immediately grab onto Fear Street 94. Um, I know it gets better. I've heard that the second one is the best um, and that the third one is I thought good. that the, se the first one was good, the second one was better, and the third one was great. Okay, so the, the third one is the best one. It wraps it all up, and it's 
And Dr. Shock has made the argument on Land of the Creeps that really you can kind of consider it because they all kind of came out, rolled out Netflix at the same time. You can kind of consider it one movie. Right. Or like a mini series. Yeah. Because I see, I originally thought that it would be like an th anthology thing. Like each one is a different thing, but it seems like it's kind of a continuing story. No, so I can't just dive in. Story. Yeah. Which is a real shame because I would love to just watch the second and third ones. I started the first one, but I think I really just got to watch them all the way through in like one week. Yep. But um, another one I didn't see a big one is PG Psycho Goreman. Oh. Didn't see that. Which oh, I regret. I've heard a lot of people, uh, and I love horror comedies. Um, I'm not one of those people. Watson's number one of the year. Yes, I know, and I, I, I really regret not seeing it. It looks right up my alley. I love heavy metal. I love uh, practical effects. I love horror comedy. I just didn't see it. Another big one, Antlers. Uh, didn't see yeah. Antlers. Well, okay. Uh, I know Jay of the Dead was big on Antlers. I did yeah. see it. Um, it was good. Okay. Not as hot on it as Jay? No, not as hot on it as Jay. But it, it was still good. I, it just wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. Sure. Another one, another one I didn't see, Old, the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. Don't waste your time. Yeah, I've heard it's not great. I kind of am curious just to watch it just to see um, because I, I, I think that would be funny. I mean, obviously he had a stint there uh, in, the, in the 2000s making pretty crappy movies. Uh, then we we had a little bit of hope with uh, with Glass and and the visit, which I thought were both good. I thought the visit was better than Glass, honestly. I thought Split was fantastic. Oh, I thought I um, loved Split. Yeah. And uh, so I'm I'm kind of curious to see Old to see if I don't like it as much as everybody else does. But um, yeah, so I didn't see Old. Another big one, T10 or Titan. Did not finish Titan. T10. I think that's how the French say Titan, it. Titan, I think, is how I, most people are pronouncing it here, and we've had discussions sure. about that. Yeah. I just, the first act, I was just not enjoying it. So I was like, I'm going to move on. I'm going to watch something else. And I actually watched something else that ended up on my top 10 list that very same day. So right. I'm curious to come back to Titan. I hear a lot of people saying good things about it, and that maybe in the second and third acts, it slows down a little bit. It gets a little bit less edgy. Um, which I'm, I'm curious well, to see that. You and I spoke about it. I, and, and I watched it, um, uh, spoiler alert. It did not make my top 10 or my honorable mm -hmm. mentions. I thought it was well made. I did not think it was enjoyable. Okay. And sometimes I feel like I, sometimes that's a good, like, I feel that kind of the same way about that with like Ari Aster movies to a certain extent. When I watch Hereditary, I'm not, you know, having a good time, but I've watched it every year since it came out. So I don't know, maybe if I watch it all the way through, I hear it goes in a different direction. It starts out so violent and just really gratuitous. It's weird. I, I had the same problem with Raw, which oh, I well, believe is the same director. Yeah, I, it I, is. I, it was, yeah, I, at the one hand I watched Raw and I thought, okay, this is a well-shot, well-scripted, well-acted movie. So because of those things, I have to give it a positive review. On the other hand, I just wasn't into it at all. Now, here's the thing. I actually loved Raw, and that made my, for 2017 or 2016, yeah. I don't remember, that made my top 10 list. I actually did love Raw. It just, for Raw, it feels like it kind of eased you in more. With, with Titan, it, it kind of just... I mean, right from the right from the beginning, we're yeah. getting we're getting all of that. 
So I maybe I just need some adjustment time. I'm coming back to it because I hear a lot of great things from critics I respect talking about it and calling it even their horror movie of the year. So I will come back to that, but that's those are my big exemptions. I didn't see Fear, Fear Street, Psycho Gorman, Antlers, Old, or Titane. I'll come back to it, but um, and I'll update my list on Letterboxd to accommodate those, but you will not see those on this list, not because I didn't enjoy them, but just because I haven't seen them. Uh, another shout-out really quick, uh, a movie that's not horror, and if it was horror, it would be my number one, and that's The Green Knight. I've seen a lot of people list it as a horror movie. It does have horror elements to it, but I wouldn't call it a horror movie. Mm -hmm. um, it's more of like a period fantasy drama. But uh, but yeah, I loved The Green Knight. I remember um, you messaged me after you saw it. Your friends didn't like it so much, but you did. Well, here's the thing. They've actually lightened up on it a little bit, I think, since then, um, because it is a lot to take in. I feel like The Green Knight, um, it's a little surreal. It's got some uh, scenes that are a little much. But um, but yeah, I loved The Green Knight. I don't remember where it lands on my all genres list. But when I sorted by um, genre horror for a while on Letterboxd in my list, it counted The Green Knight as a horror movie. It was like horror, fantasy, period. That Those were the genres. And it put it at the top. Uh, so, But I don't consider it a horror movie. It has horror scenes. It's kind of got like a grim tone throughout it. It is A24. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so that's not on my list either. So that that's my housekeeping um, if, unless you have anything else to say, do you want to talk about our worst of the year first? Yeah. You, you'd messaged me and you said you want to go from negative to positive. Yeah. So that's okay. So what is your, and, and, and we're not trying to pick on things here. And I, we all understand that this is probably somebody's favorite movie, no matter what we pick. And we apologize. It, it just didn't jive with us for whatever reason. Um, but H and P used to do this, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And biggest, we're, we're, biggest disappointment I, or worst horror movie of the year, whatever. So yeah, this isn't a big disappointment for me because I had no expectations going in, but somehow it still wowed me uh, with how just awful it was. And I don't think this is anybody's favorite of the year. I'm going to be honest uh, because it, it's currently sitting at a 1.2 average on Letterboxd, and I see that you gave it one and a half stars yeah. so this is not one of those that you were talking about that that three star range this is one and a half from you i would give it a half star honestly wow and that is the resort on hulu the i'm resort, right there with you same awful awful movie i started it, it kind of started a little interesting but just the acting is so so bad the editing was baffling uh it's it's just i i See, I don't even remember anything good about it. Like, I can't even say anything good about it. Look like it was I honestly remember so little about it. I watched it and it just went out of my mind. I mean, yeah. I reviewed it and then it was like gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't care for it at all. Greg Bench gave it a one star on Letterboxd. You gave it one. Wow. Half, like I said, Greg is generous. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's really. It's really not good. <laughs> so the, my worst of the year is the resort. I saw a couple that are at the bottom of my list. One that honestly I was really sour on originally, but I kind of lightened up towards is a movie called Two, which was on Netflix. Um, oh, I didn't see that one. It's a Spanish language movie. Um, it's kind of like Human Centipede. These two people wake up naked in a hotel room and uh, their stomachs are sewn together. Oh, uh, I didn't. Um, know. Did and you, it's you, 
you and Bill can watch those together. I all right. Well, here I like the first Human Centipede. The other two are reprehensible, but the first one is actually not as graphic as people remember it being. Anyways, uh, I digress. Two is not a good movie, but I I definitely lightened on it as I went on. And here's another thing I think people are are when they're bashing it because this is another one with the low rating. It's got a 1.8, which is which is better, but people are bashing it because on Netflix the default to watch it is with. Uh, dubs, not not subtitles. It's got an English dub, and it's just awful. It's the worst voice acting I've ever heard in my life. When you turn that off, when you turn on the Spanish audio and English subtitles, it actually improves a lot. Um, so I, I gave it a one star. It, it started off as a half star, but it, I, it went to one star. It goes places that are kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, that that was that's still my number two at the very very bottom. Um, so, uh, yeah, so not, not great. Those are my two worst because after that, what happened, what you were talking about earlier starts happening. Like my, my third from the bottom is, is like a three star. So it starts getting better from there. Um, but those, those two really stood out. It was a decent year. Mm -hmm. Not, not as great as 2018, 2017, you know, when we got get out and hereditary, but, um, I don't have any tens on my list. No. Me neither. I have I have nines, nines and a half. I have yeah. eights. I have, but I don't have any tens, and that's the first time since we've been doing this. Because right, um, and I apologize for the. There they go. <laughs> do you want to tell? Do you want to tell the, the the listeners about our your new addition to the dog family? Yes, we have three puppies. Uh, my wife for her birthday, who got a new job, wanted a puppy. And so we got a puppy. The puppy turned out because we um, we adopted a dorky who she named Bogey, Humphrey Bogart Rawlings, because um, her favorite movie is Casablanca. And it turned out that we got him due to lack of research because he does well with other puppies, not by himself. And that's how that went. And so we got that puppy. So then she begged for another puppy so that he would have a friend and we got our mini golden doodle Bacall and she's a sweetheart very well behaved and then she went to our groomers and the groomers had a puppy that she had taken in um, but no one would adopt and it had been unadopted for three and a half months Mm -hmm. little Three and a half, four pound guy, uh, Shorky, uh, part Yorkie, part Shih Tzu. And um, she begged me because she just couldn't stand that it was just <laughs> in this, in this, you know, groomer's office living in a box, um, that it was there every night by itself. So after pouting for a day, I gave in and we now have three. So we now have Clark Gable Rawlings, Clarky, as we call him. And he's a cute little guy, and he's well-behaved, so. But, yes, the the barking you hear from the older, too, so I apologize for that. And I I think it's, first of all, I think that's great, and he is adorable. He's got quite the little do, the little hairdo. Uh, And uh, and I think that that story is important to tell because I think people often have the misconception that because Megan doesn't like horror movies, she's not a cinephile. That's not true. You know, yeah. she watches Turner classic movies. She loves Casablanca. Oh. 
So that I think that that story is important to tell. Talk, talking about the she dogs, she is a Turner Classic Movies fanatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, she loves Casablanca. She loves You Can't Take It With You. Um, I am next month uh, being. I will be on a DVD Infatuation podcast via yes. Consider the Cinema with Dave Doctor Shock Becker talking about John Wayne movies. Yeah. And Megan is a huge John Wayne fan. She's there a big Clint Eastwood fan. Um, so, yes, she is a cinephile. She loves old movies. Um, we watched the other night, what did we watch? Places in the Heart with Sally Field um, and Ed Harris from 1984. And she fell in love with it. She is, no, she loves it. She loves movies. It's just horror movies give her nightmares, she claims. She does love Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, she loves that movie. So, there you have it. Yeah. So that's that's I I'm so happy to welcome Clarky to the to the family. Yep. Um, and Clark, Your little brother. Yes, Clark Gable's in a bunch of westerns. So there you go. It's, yes, he is. So that's that's perfect. Um, and uh, yeah. So if you hear them in the background, you know, ah, uh, just deal with it. They're they're allowed. They're special yeah. guests on this episode. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So. Let's get into it. Yes. What is your number 10? And by the way, folks, we have not shared our list with each other. No, we haven't. Are we, we, are we, are we doing our uh, our honorable mentions before number one, or are we doing yes, that before, before top 10? Okay, before so our honorable one. mentions will go before there. Um, we have not discussed our top 10 list, no. Um, I try. I almost let something slip. I was, I was starting to talk about like how I had formatted my list, and you're like, uh-uh, let's, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so we, we have no idea. I think we kind of know what we liked and didn't like. It's harder for me because you watched so many and it's easier for you, I think, because a lot of the ones, uh, I watched, I watched with you. So, um, I think you'll probably have a better idea of where my list is going than I will for yours, but I, I feel like I know your, your taste pretty well. So I don't think I'll be that surprised. That said, um, I think my the beginning of my list will surprise you, and I have to preface really quick. I forgot to mention this. This year I have more blockbusters on my top ten than usual, less art wow. house and foreign, which is usually the way I go. I like art house and foreign films. But this year, I mean, the ones I watched just happen to be those big blockbusters in theaters. So my number ten is Malignant, uh, which wow. may surprise you because, you know, it, it's a stupid, dumb movie, sure, but it's grown on me since I did my Patreon <laughs> review. I kind of ripped into it a little bit with the Patreon review, but it's grown on me since then, um, like reading people's theories about it and, and watching behind-the-scenes stuff. It has grown on me. I mean, the design of the killer is really cool. I'm not going to spoil anything, but the design of the killer is really cool. The camera work is really stylish. I mean, James Wan definitely ripped off his buddy Leo Winnell, uh for this this movie because it feels very upgrade. Um, lots of unanswered questions at the end of the movie, and I don't necessarily mind that. I think it just gives people more to talk about. But again, I will say it's not a good movie. I don't think it's a good movie. I think some of the performances are really? bad. I mean, Juan cast his wife as the crime scene photographer. Um, and those those women in the holding cell at the jail were laughably bad. They're like, what's the matter, sweetheart? Never spent a night in a holding cell? And they just immediately started attacking her. It's 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 meant to be campy, but I think in, the, in some places uh, James Wan took it a little too far. But I, I will say this. Malignant is certainly more memorable than most of the other movies I watched this year. Like I said, I yeah. watched I, I watched 17 new releases, 
um, and 18 if you count the amusement park, which I kind of consider a new release. But yeah. um, but uh, but yeah, Malignant still outshines those just purely because of how fun it was. And I love Giallo's. We talked about this. We've done we've done like probably 10 or 11 episodes dedicated to Giallo's from the podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Malignant. I I loved it. It's also a bad movie, but I loved it. It's my number 10. I'm giving it a 6.5 out of 10 uh, rating, which is, I think, an improvement. I think I gave it a 6 in my Patreon review. So it has gone up, and it is my number 10. Because I love James Wan, and I love Giallo's, and I love action. And this is just, like, the dumbest combination of those three things. And I just want it in my eye holes. All right. Well, I'll talk about it later. Um... I thought it was well made. My my biggest problem with it, and we we had Gilman Joel on several times this year, and off air he asked us what we thought of Malignant. You had not seen it yet. I had just seen it. My biggest problem with it was it relies on a twist ending that I saw coming up a country mile. Yeah. I well, I didn't have that problem because I, I I really wasn't paying that close attention on my first watch, <laughs> so I didn't have that problem. I didn't have it spoiled for me because I wasn't thinking that far ahead. Well, because... it wasn't spoiled for me. It was just it was like okay, this has to go one of two ways. Mm. After the first fifteen minutes, I said this is this is going to go one of two ways, and it did. And so the kind of stinger at the end was just like. Oh yeah, I already called that, and 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 I'm not saying I'm just a brilliant critic. I'm just saying, yeah. I was starting you know, to I feel just, embarrassed, like oh geez, well you you figured it out, but I couldn't. I I figured it out, but just I uh you know it was probably just a lucky guess. Yeah. You know, and it was just oh I think it has to go this way, and as a lawyer I overthink things. Yeah. Um, and so I just because I knew the ending at the end of it, I was like, man. You know, yeah. it was. I thought it was well made. I understood what he was doing, but I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I personally thought it was telegraphed. But all right, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm not saying I'm smarter than you or more insightful than you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I just, you know, just got a lucky guess, and I guessed the ending. Yeah. So I'll be curious to ask you after we're done uh recording because uh, no spoilers we're gonna try our best no spoilers yep. i'll be curious to ask you what you thought the other way it could go was because i can i can't think of any other way to rationalize what all happens right. in that movie we will we will go through that all right so mine number 10 is a movie we watched together i held i think a little bit higher view than you maybe mine is the night house um and I think Rebecca Hall's performance, which when we watched it, we both agreed is amazing. She's great in it. Is she yeah, not? She is. Yeah. And I've seen her in other stuff, but this is really like where I was. I was impressed by her. I didn't know she had this in her. And she does a great job in this movie. Um, yeah. Her, her performance kind of carries it, doesn't it? it? It does carry it. And I think it carries it enough that the night house is my number 10 if you don't know about it you need to find it i mean she's a recent widow um her husband has apparently committed suicide and she's discovering that he was picking up girls but for what reason and the reason is you know goes into the supernatural but um 
I mean, just the scene when we you remember when the parent comes into her office complaining about her kid's grade. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great scene. It's a great scene. She is fantastic in it. And, you know, no spoiler alerts, but I will be pushing for her to be in our horror Oscars for best uh, performance because she's amazing in it. Absolutely. And I think maybe uh, I you misread me with my thoughts on the night house. I'll okay. say that much. Um, but uh, great pick. Yeah, and I, I can't argue with that. Her performance was fantastic. So what is your number nine? My number nine is Censor. Um, Ooh. Which kind of, it's another one that grew on me. My bottom half of this list is all ones that I dismissed initially, but kind of grew on me as time went on. Uh, Censor is uh, a British movie kind of about the video nasties and these people that are tasked with giving these films a rating and editing around them to release on video. It, it's it's an interesting subject. I love like that idea. I love the video nasties. That's always been an interesting thing to me and the ratings board. And one of my favorite things to do with movies that I love is to like look and see what was cut out, you know, the deleted scenes and what was cut for, for ratings. And I, I love that kind of stuff. Censor, um, it looks great. Good performances, especially from the lead. Um, fantastic period set and costume design. Like I said, interesting premise. I love the video nasties. I love this idea that there's this video nasty, this infamous video nasty that's like kind of messing with this lady. I just didn't love the very ending of it. I think the very ending, the execution that's wasn't fair. great. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so that's censor. I would give it a seven out of 10. Originally, this was a three star, so that'd be a six out of 10, but it has grown on me as I've heard other people talking about it. And I, I really can't appreciate the craftsmanship. I mean, the way it, most movies and TV shows that are set in the 80s try to make it look real like flashy and nice. And I mean, we have like Stranger Things where everything's all neon all the time. Sensor shows us a different part of the 80s where it's all very drab and there is, it's, it's kind of depressing. It's, it feels, very genuine it feels very real and i love the the set design and costume design i thought there were some really cool editing choices as well and score choices um i just didn't love the very ending and i think it's a little slow i don't usually have a problem with slow burns but i think just introducing things a little bit sooner uh could have really hooked me in even more and improved my rating but yeah my number nine is sensor um i don't know where you stand on it i haven't seen your rating or your review of it and it may come later in your list or maybe in your honorable mentions but i'm, I'm curious to hear about that it will be in my honorable mentions. Um, okay. I really liked it. I agree with you about the ending. I thought it was really strong. The performance by, I believe, I'm going to butcher her name. Um, she's an Irish actress, Naeem Alger. Yeah. She's incredible in it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, she's fantastic through all stages. Uh, yeah, and this, yeah. this is, this is we've had a lot of these movies this year where we have like a character that's very... Um, kind of unassuming at the beginning of the movie and as the movie goes on they kind of spiral and transform into something else and I think she does a great job with that um, so yeah great performances um, and Sensor is my is my number nine pick seven out of ten again bottom half of this list is, is mostly ones that I dismissed initially but after watching the rest of them I was like okay maybe this one was pretty good I yeah I thought it was solid I thought mm -hmm. it was really solid um, 
Uh, and I think it will make listening to Dr. Shock talk about on Land of the Creeps, I think it'll probably make his top 10 list, which yeah. is impressive. Um, this was recommended to me by Trey Whetstone, I'm pretty sure. Oh. So thank you, Trey, for that. I mean, he sees everything. So Yes, Trey <laughs> sees mean, everything, and he's got great taste. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So my number nine is A Quiet Place 2. Yes. Not as good as the original. But well done, solid performances, really solid performances um, from, you know, soup to nuts. I mean, from the beginning to the end, the entire cast, some of the CGI I thought was a little wonky, but still I thought John Krasinski did a really good job. And I really think the one of the problems with The Quiet Place 2, as much as I like it, and I do, is that the beginning is so strong, it's hard to match it. Yeah. Does that make sense? When they show the original invasion yeah. with Krasinski and Emily Blunt and so forth, I thought, wow. I mean, and and then it's just like the rest of it is good, but it it doesn't live up to the beginning. However, I thought it was still a great film. Agreed. And I will talk more about A Quiet Place Part 2 <laughs> later right. on in this episode. All right. So what is your number eight? My number eight is one that you may be surprised uh, to to hear is this far on my list. Wrong Turn. And that is Wrong oh. Turn 2021, obviously. I'm not talking about the, you know, the original or any of the yes. what, six sequels. Wrong Turn. I was surprised I liked this one so much. This was the last movie I watched for this list. I watched this yesterday. Um, I, I'm not particularly a huge fan of the series. I mean, the first one is good. I think after that, I mean, by the time we're getting, we got like one in like, what, 2019? I, I, I love the first one. I really like the second one. After that, it does go downhill. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah, I'm not a big fan of the series. A fresh start was definitely long overdue, I think. Um, this this new one, it was a little long, and the first act didn't wow me, but the log trap kill hooked me back in, and as soon as oh. the characters finally get to a certain location, oh. we start to understand what's going on, I was glued to the screen. Um, I think it made great use of what I'm sure was a low budget, um, and that ending was fantastic. That's what I'll say. So wrong turn, my second favorite wrong turn movie at this point <laughs> under the original, maybe tied. Um, because I love the serious route they took with this one. Um, we I will talk more about this in a minute. Um, okay. So I, I, I'm glad you put it on your top 10. Um, I know that Butcher Bill loves this movie. Mm -hmm. He's championed it. Um, my number eight is St. Maud. All right. Um, it, it, it's definitely a slow burn. Um, it's, I guess people could call it a psychological horror. I, I love this film for a number of reasons. Okay, so first of all, as people know, I'm a person of faith. Obviously, I'm a pastor. Um, and so you've got a film about a person who has kind of become obsessed with her faith. Would you say she's a zealot? Have you seen it? I have seen it. 
Um, and if you're no, I don't, I don't blame you for noticing a pattern here. We will be talking about Saint Maude more later on. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she is absolutely a zealot. Someone, I, I, I've, I've seen this read a lot in a, a lot of different ways. It seems obvious to me that, um, that without spoiling anything, Maude's maybe lost the important people in her life, so she's turned to God as like her last, you know, kind of sanctuary. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, it definitely turns to a point where it's obvious that mental illness, perhaps schizophrenia, is involved in this. Um, because uh, yes, she the the person she is talking to is definitely not the God of the Bible. No, it's uh, that was the thing. So, so I'm an evangelical Protestant pastor. However, for years, um, one of my closest friends in ministry was a Catholic pastor. And we would meet for lunch once a month. And it was, this is ironic, I was a fitness trainer at the time, and we would meet at Buffalo Wild Wings and have wings, um, which are not good for you. Um, but we would, and we would sit and talk for hours about our faiths. And St. Maud clearly does not understand her own faith. No. Um, She's got a distorted view of her own faith, but the performance by, and I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Morford Clark in the lead, she is incredible. I agree. Absolutely incredible. So that is my number eight, St. Maude. Um, the performances are incredible. I think this was a low budget movie. I would guess it was a low budget movie. Yeah, it's one it, of those that was like a lottery winnings uh, thing. Somebody won the lottery. Oh, movie gotcha. out of it. Sort of like if you remember the girl with the gifts. That movie was a similar, mm -hmm. similar situation. Another British uh, movie that was, you know, somebody won the lottery and they made a they made a movie. So. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, I mean, not low, low budget. I mean, when you win the lottery, that's a lot of money. But um, for for a movie that looks this good and it's a first time director as well, um, I, I really think it's impressive. Yeah, I agree. So St. Maude, that's my number eight. What is your number seven? My number seven is Nita Costa's Candyman. Oh, uh, that I, low? It that is that low. low. I, oh. I don't. I don't think you should be surprised by this. It was obvious in our review of Candyman uh, and Candyman uh, that I was a little bit less uh, hot on it than you were. But um, you know, well, I, I, I understand that film is subjective, of course. Uh, that being said, you are wrong. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and and that. I mean, there are movies above this on my list that I, I think that now you're going to dislike the rest of my list because I do have things placed above this. But uh, I, I love the cast. And this movie is, is better than it should have been, really. I mean, like, the yes. we, I mean, Candyman 2 and 3, not setting a high bar for this this uh, reboot. But um, I've actually soured a little bit more since I originally reviewed it, I think. Um, and I've heard more and more reviews of it. But I'm, I'm still glad I saw it in theaters opening night. Uh, the body horror stuff has stuck with me. There are three or four amazing shots I remember, but um, uh, ultimately I, I still think Candyman has a lot of flaws and spots of shaky writing. Um, it is, however, the second best Candyman movie. So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10, and oh. it is my number 7. Oh, you're hurting me. Oh, I'm I knew this would happen. i hurting right now, <laughs> and you are completely wrong. But mm. um, my number 7 is... 
you've already mentioned it, wrong turn. All right. Um, it is, I understand why a lot of people didn't like it because it is so different from the series. Sure. Um, but I thought it was well-directed, very good performances. I thought it went there. And we, you mentioned it before. The ending is incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they went there with the ending. And I have a lot of respect for directors who are willing to go there and yeah. who have the guts to go there. And this one does. And I, the, like, the kills, right? The practical effects oh. are so brutal all the way through. Yes. So, yes. And, and I love how that the main character, this, uh, not the dad, but the daughter, she basically becomes like Rambo by the end of the movie, right? She is hardened. And, and that's awesome because she starts out kind of as just, I mean, she knows how to hike, but she starts out as a very suburban teenager. And then at the end, she's, you know, so I, I think that's that's fantastic. I, I, it's brutal. And like I said, that log trap kill with that broken oh, jaw, so brutal. That uh, would definitely the, make our horror movie Oscars for best kill. Yes. And and then the eyes that are gouged out, that was, oh my gosh, that, that effect. Was because, I mean, not to give too much away, but unlike the other wrong turn movies, which are basically hillbilly cannibal movies, yeah. this is a cult movie. Yeah. And man, is it creepy. Yeah, absolutely. It, it basically deals with a, you know, backwoods cult that there's, I would call it sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just, I, I thought it was really gutsy for the director to go there with this title. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think it's an interesting, like, if when I went into a wrong turn reboot, I did not expect uh, it, to, it to be like this. And again, yeah, this is my, this is possibly tied for number one. I, I think I like this just as much as the first wrong turn because this is just so, and I love that it's more serious. I love that it's grim and gritty and, and really bloody. But, um, oh man, oh man, you brought up the ending. It's one yeah. of the best endings of the year. Like there is, I won't give too much away, you know, um, our protagonist comes home to find somebody at the dinner table. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, that's something. Um, and and another thing I, I mentioned to you is, and I don't think there's much of a spoiler. At some point in the movie, uh, they're talking about having a movie night where they watch a movie about inbred cannibals, and I'm wondering if they're <laughs> watching the first Wrong Turn movie and the Wrong yes. Turn reboot, which yeah. I find really funny. And I imagine that's kind of in poor taste, right? I mean, this girl was abducted. Like, I feel like watching Wrong oh, Turn. Oh yeah, that that obviously has to be a wink and a nod at the yeah, at the right. audience, because otherwise that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no. Yeah, like she's just gonna watch these movies about basically what she went through. Yeah, yeah so that I, I loved that, and yeah, great ending shot that just keeps going on and on and on. Um, yeah, so wrong turn. I loved it, and I'm so glad that I watched it because I almost didn't. I was gonna go for something else, but I'm glad I I ended up watching Wrong Turn. Mm -hmm. All right, so what is your number six? My number six is one we've already talked about. It's a Quiet Place Part Two. Yes. Um, I love the first Quiet Place. I saw it in theaters twice. Um, this one I've only seen once, but um, honestly, okay, so now we're we're at number six into my list, okay? We're, we're almost halfway through, and I'm still not 
absolutely crazy about the movie. <laughs> so that just goes to show you how down on the theater I am. I had a great viewing experience with this movie. I was in a, really? a theater with a recliner with snacks. Um, it didn't feel like the movie ran too long. Killian Murphy and Emily Blunt were really good yeah. in it, as were the kid actors, as was John Krasinski. He was fantastic. And I think they did a good job expanding the world in the sequel because the first one, it implies a lot, but it feels really narrow. With this one, we see a lot more of the world. And even though it does lose a little bit of the mystery, I really enjoyed seeing what the state of, you know, the United States is outside of that farmhouse. So um, I think they did a really good job with that. On top of that, as you mentioned earlier, the opening scene was was just amazing. I think that scene alone yeah. would push it into positive territory for me. If it was just that then, you know, an hour and a half of, of black screen and silence after that, it would still be like a 5.5 for me. So that pushes it yeah. into positive territory. But then we have the train car scene, uh, and when the aliens are on the island, you know, all of that was great. Um, and again, as, as far as negatives go, I didn't think the very ending was mind-blowing. It was pretty much pretty much ended the same way the first one did. Um, and it was sequel bait, like the first one was, essentially. Right. Um, and I think the movie peaked in the first five minutes, which is not usually a good thing to say about a movie. But man, that opening scene was fantastic. Um, yeah, so, and, and it was so weird going into A Quiet Place and starting off with sound, right? And that first five minutes, it felt so refreshing. And then you really feel the absence of it after that. So I thought that was really cool. Um, anyways, I'm still going, I'm going to go with a 7.5 out of 10 for this one. Um, so a quiet place part two is my number six, 7.5. I, I don't know that I actually like it that much less than the first one. I think honestly, it's tied for me with the first one. Cause there's really? so many memorable set pieces. I love Kelly and Murphy's vault and the oxygen mask stuff. And I, I think all that's great. The, I, the chase with Emily Blunt running from the monsters and then the kid getting his leg caught in a bear trap. All that was great. I just think it, it it had more locations, and I think it really benefited from that. But in the same regard, the family dynamic wasn't as strong as the first one. I won't spoil why, but it's the characters are separated a little bit more, and I think it's missing that. Um, so I think they're tied for me, honestly. Well, and I it didn't have as a compared to the first one. And I don't think you can help but to compare it to the original. I mean, again, we haven't mentioned um, Millicent Simmons as the daughter. She's incredible in it, again. Yeah, yeah, I uh, agree. I think both the child actors are strong, but she's definitely uh, the strongest. And especially acting while actually being deaf gives it a, a uh, aura of authenticity to it, definitely. Yeah, she's incredible, but it didn't have the emotional twist that the first one did. Sure. For me. And, yeah, so and I think I'm talking about a there's a little lower. There's a peak in the first, in the first movie, like an emotional peak that yes. I don't think is matched in this one, even though it right. tries. Um, so yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I, I think that just the extra locations, I mean, I love seeing the Island and the docks and the train car. I think all that was fantastic. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It, it kind of balances out for me, but yeah, 7.5, uh, and it's my number six. All right. Well, my number six is a movie I don't hear a lot of talk about, but I think it is timely and really well made. Um, it premiered on Shutter actually a year ago, but only one time. It didn't hit wide release to this year. That's why I'm including on this. And that's Lucky. Have you seen it? I have not. I, I don't think I've even heard of it. Lucky is... Uh, 
uh, I, I think one of the timeliest movies we've had in the last five years. It is, you know, it deals with a woman who has an intruder try to, you know, or often does invade her home every night and the police just write her off. And the home invasion is terrifying. The performances are great. And so, yeah, I'm coming in with Lucky at my number six. It is streaming on Shutter. I just watch listed it. I, I had never heard of this, but um, lots of people giving it good reviews. I see that you gave it four stars. Ian West yep. gave it three and a half. So definitely interested to see this. Um, and it looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's I think it's really good. It's really timely. And I think it's really well made without being preachy. So Gilman Joel, if you're listening, it's got a great uh, timely message without being preachy. So what yeah. is your number five? My number five is one we've already discussed, and I'm, I think you'll be surprised with how high it is on my list uh, based on what you said. But my number five is The Night House. Uh, wow. This is, yeah, this I didn't is, think you were that high on it. This is another one that grew on me. I mean, even on the car ride from your house, like driving home, I was thinking in my head, I was like, man, that movie was something special. Um, and, you know, looking back, I love the way the story builds. I love the mystery. And again, Rebecca Hall does a great job selling it. It's a good yes. script, but she really does a great job with it. I oh, think I made the comment to you. Incredible in it. I think I made the comment to you while we were watching it that the dialogue isn't great, but she makes it great. She really sells yeah. it. And sometimes makes her co-stars feel a little bit more amateurish compared to her. Um, I mean, it's a great scene, but that scene where they're out at the bar, you know, and they're talking about uh, about her uh, dead husband, it kind of feels like her fellow teachers aren't as good as she is, and, and she's kind of overshadowing them. But um, but yeah, still, she does a great job with this with the script. The movie looked good. Sound design was great. I remember that being a, a huge thing. Like when you hear yeah. the whispers of her husband, it yeah. kind of like is in like stereo, and it's kind of all around you, really creepy. Um, and well, when uh, people appear around her and just start jumping off edges. And oh stuff, man, that was wow. terrifying. Yeah, 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 that was that was great. And how it uses the house to make silhouettes, like the house is yeah. alive. The nothingness. I, I won't go too oh. far into it, but man, it felt as original as a haunted house movie can be. You know, like we've kind of seen yeah. it all at this point, and there are elements of this movie that we've seen, um, like the the kind of the dreamy sequences where she's kind of in her head. Reminded me a little bit of Gerald's game, like how she has those visions, those flashbacks, and the moon is red and the sky is red. It's kind of the same in this one. Also, kind of reminds me of his house with those like dream scenes when he's out on the on the like on the water. So the, it is kind of derivative in a few ways, but I I really think they handled the haunted house uh, thing in a really original way. No real complaints with this one. I think the the runtime was perfect. The the acting for the most part was perfect. I really like the neighbor as well. Her neighbor, who's not really her neighbor, he's like a mile away, but um, yeah, I thought he was really good. He was um, great. Yeah, and her one her her one teacher friend, like her closest friend. Uh, was really good in it as well. Also, the the woman uh, that she sees in the pictures that her husband took was really good. So great cast, really solid. I'm going to give it between a 7.5 and an 8 out of 10. So that's like a 7.75. I love the quarter scale. That's what I, I dub it, the quarter scale. It's like it's like 25 cents, <laughs> 50 cents, 75 cents a dollar. That's how I think about it. Because I, it, it's still not, I know like 
Letterboxd is is five stars and then IMDb is 10 stars. That's still not enough for me. I basically need 20 stars. So I give stuff a 7.75 out of 10 um, to be more specific. I, I guess that would be like, you know, a 75 uh, out of, uh, or like a, maybe not even that, but you get the idea. So between 7.5 and an eight, I loved the night house. I was down on it while we were watching it, but after watching more movies from this year, I realized how special this was because it feels like a real movie came out in theaters. It doesn't feel like it was made during the pandemic. Yeah, I agree. And the, the actor you were um, mentioning, the neighbor, that's yeah. Vondi Curtis Hall. Who's in a who, lot. He's, oh my gosh, he's in everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. and he's a great actor. Um, so Gilman Joel will know him from, I'm going to get you sucker. Um, yeah. but, um, yeah, I, I, I do really like the movie. Um, and also shot only about a half an hour from where you were born. Yes. It, it, it's, it, it feels very Stephen King. It's, it is shot in New York, but it, I love that. Yep. The look Upstate of that. New York. You were, yeah. you were born in Ithaca, New York. And it was shot in and around Syracuse, New York, which is 30, 40 minutes, depending where they were shooting from where you were born. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think that I was the muse for this movie. Okay? There this, you go. This movie would not be the same without me. <laughs> there you go. Um, but it's a gorgeous location with. Yeah. Yeah. That house. Um, I mean, that house is awesome. We were talking about that from the very beginning. We're like, that yeah. is a really cool house. Um but I'm sure the people that actually live in that house probably like they're having second thoughts after this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, though uh, the people who live in the Amityville house have been there for, you know, decades. They, yeah, they, fine, seem to, so. they seem to be fine and they don't like people visiting. So don't try. No, um, I found that out the hard way. I was, you know, yeah. got out and looked at it and the guy was like glaring at me. So don't uh, go to the night house. Now, I was I was not on his private property, by the way. I was on the street. The Amityville Horror House is on the street. It's on a public street. But anyway, um, my number five is a movie we watched together. Mm -hmm. It is a, a an older film at this point, uh, almost, you know, 40 some year old film. But it just got released this year. And it is the late, great George Romero's Amusement Park. Yes. Great allegory about getting older. You know, I watched uh, your great grandparents get older, go through dementia, all that kind of stuff. My parents now are in their 80s. They're starting to experience some of that stuff. And so it really hit home. This was a Romero film that was basically like a corporate film, yeah. almost like a corporate training film. But it's a horror film. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 horrifying in the same way. It's, I mean, it's surreal, but yeah. it really sticks with you. The emotions are communicated clearly. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I, I think it's brilliant. It's less than an hour. Mm -hmm. um, but he really goes out of his way to show how senior citizens are not valued, not treated well. Um, we live in a culture, I will go ahead and say this, that doesn't listen to older generations and i understand because there's a wonderful book by a friend of mine called generational iq how you understand different generations and so yeah there are faults with the greatest generation those born in the great depression for you know um for one thing they just blindly follow the advice of experts so if a doctor says take this, they just do it. Um, one of the things I learned when I was working for Lieber and Stoller is that Elvis Presley was not a hypocrite. 
you know, when he told Richard Nixon he wanted to fight drugs and he basically died of wear and tear from drugs, it was not because he thought that he was doing drugs and he wanted. No, it was he was taking prescriptions from a doctor. And that's what killed Elvis. That's also what killed Michael Jackson and a prince. And so from his generation, it was if a doctor says, take this, you took it. Yeah. And and so that's what he did. And but he thought anything you bought off the street. Well, that was terrible. Uh, but if a doctor tells you to do it, he's educated. And, and, you know, and back then they were mostly he's. And so, yeah, you know, you just took it. But so there is that detriment you know i'm not saying the greatest generation those who fought world war ii those who grew up in the depression um don't have their faults but they do have experience and they are worth listening to because they've been there done that a lot of them but what george romero shows in this is how we just dismiss them so quickly Hmm. and how you know, shallow is that, that because they don't have youth, they don't have what we consider good looks, um, that we just dismiss them and just push them to a side because they're a burden to us. How shallow does that make us? Um, largely in the way he showed Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead with consumerism and racism and so forth. Uh, Romero was the master long before Jordan Peele of message horror. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think he was a genius and I love the amusement park. Yeah. I loved it too. I didn't, this isn't on my list, not because I didn't like it. I gave it four stars on Letterboxd. So that's an yeah. eight out of 10, but it is listed on Letterboxd as being from 1975. Cause that's when it was shot. It wasn't released until this year, but just to play it safe, I didn't put it on my list, even though it does list it on Letterboxd in my, in my top 10. So um, yeah, I love the amusement park. That was a great watch, and the way it all like it it all loops together. A disturbing together. watch. Yes, it is, and the way it, the way it kind of loops. You know what I mean? It starts one way and it kind of ends the same way, and now we have more context for why it ends that way. I love that kind of stuff. Um, so it's sort of like almost like a heist movie, how we see the results and then we go back yeah. and we see how that happened. Sort of happens with uh, the amusement park in a really odd and kind of surreal way. Um, and it is a very surreal movie, but I think it's really effective. And there's great individual scenes. I mean, the scene where the old man is reading to the, yeah. the little girl and the mom comes and just assumes he's a creep, even though he's just oh. trying to he's just trying to be nice. Um, that was a great scene. I love the scenes where it's and like does that, not, that not speak to generational gaps. Yeah. And yeah, and that and that's fantastic because like they were making a connection there, right? That that little kid and yeah. the old man, but then the generation between divides that. So I think that's 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 a really cool little allegory. Another one I really enjoyed was when he's in the amusement park. It's so crowded. There's everyone around him, but then we cut, and there's no one there. It's like there's so many right. people, but he feels alone because nobody is actually connecting with him. It might as well be empty. So uh, I I love all that stuff. I think uh that it's a it's a great works as an allegory. I can't believe this was supposed to be just like a corporate you know kind of instructional film like a like a PSA, right? Um, because it's done so well and and for a movie from 1975, it feels very modern and very. It does. It yeah. really does. And so, yeah, I I love it. So, but what is your number four? My number four is Oxygen the new Alexander oh. Aja movie. 
uh, he really delivered with this one. Definitely the best claustrophobic movie I've seen in a while. Um, it's better than that Ryan Reynolds Buried, buried Alive movie, definitely. Um, <laughs> I think it, it drags a little in the second act, um, but the first act was super tense, and the third act had so many like jaw-dropping reveals. It's just reveal after reveal, and I think they all they all work. Melanie Laurent, uh, who you may know from *Inglorious Bastards*, she was the yep. girl that escaped in the beginning. That she's like the right. theater worker. She does a great job in this movie, um, but she also has. It's not like she's just the only person there, just acting off of nothing, like Ryan Reynolds does in that that movie. Um, there's also the AI voice, kind of the the Hal 9000 of this thing she's stuck in, voiced by Matthew uh, Amalric, who's got this great, like, booming, deep, and very French voice. (laughs) Absolutely fantastic. There are other people she talks to on the phone. Um, So there there are other people, and they do give good voice performances, but really it's it's up to Melanie Laurent to kind of carry this, Um, and she does a fantastic job. And uh, Aja, as a director, I think, reveals things right at the right time to keep me invested because I was thinking, like, in the second act, I was like, okay, it's kind of dragging. She's hallucinating more. I get it. But then we, once we understand what's happening in those hallucinations, it brings a whole new meaning to it. So I absolutely loved Oxygen. Um, I'm so glad I watched it. This is an 8 out of 10 for me. Maybe not to the level of like genre-defining that high tension is, right? This isn't as memorable. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't have that plot hole you could drive a truck through, right? So maybe maybe yeah. in some ways it's better. Um, but I loved Oxygen. That's my number 4, 8 out of 10. Um, and, uh, yeah, great performance from Melanie Laurent. That's another, that's another contender, I think, for the horror Oscars, best performance. I agree with you. I'm glad you recommended it to me. It didn't make my top 10, but it is in my honorable mentions. I really, I really did like it. Um, and I'm glad you recommended it to me because I wouldn't have seen it unless you told me you need to see this. Um, and oxygen is really good. So my number four is Halloween kills. Sweet. AKA Evil Dies Tonight. Um, yes, great. That's the best I, part of that movie, isn't it? I, now, look, I have some problems with it, like the hospital scene with the other escapee from, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't like that scene, but I thought it was just such a blast with amazing kills. Yeah. Yeah, and and I, in the in the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, when you had to write in what your favorite kill was, I yes. put the knives in the back in the kitchen scene. Oh my gosh, is so that not brutal? brutal? Oh. The most brutal. And this this is one of I mean, I thought that Rob Zombie's movies couldn't be topped with like brutality and raw violence, but I think this one's right up there with it. I mean, oh, these kills are just takes no prisoners. I agree. I mean, it was just. So much fun. There are problems with it. I agree why some people are like, eh. But I thought, you know, first of all, spoiler alert, bringing back Dr. Loomis, which they did so well. Do you agree with that? Uh, I voiced problems with it. Here's the thing. Um, I originally thought it was a deep fake, which it looked to me like it was. It's since come out that it was a mask. It was a practical mask done with Loomis, and a voice actor came in to do Loomis. I'm still not buying that it was, it's definitely CG. They had a mask and they CG'd over it. And I think that pretty much took away the point of having that practical mask. Because like people are posting, they're like, look at how cool this craftsmanship of the practical mask is. 
if you watch the movie, it looks nothing like what's in the movie. What they probably did was just have that on set as a stand well, and CGI over it. If they did it, they did it well. I disagree. I think it looked goofy. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I think it looks really goofy. I think he looks bad. Um, not as bad maybe as like the Star Wars movie where they brought back uh, Tarkin. Uh, maybe not that bad, but it, it's it was rough for me. I'm glad we didn't see as much of him, but they uh, they uh, they were so proud of it. They flashed back to it later in the movie. I just did not think it looked good. I didn't. The, it's something about him. He looked too stern. His beard was too dark. It was just it just wasn't quite right. It didn't really look uh, like how okay. he does in that first movie. I appreciate that the, the fact that they. It seems like they actually shot on film for those seventy flashbacks. It looks like a real, you know. It actually does look like whatever sixteen millimeter. Shot, right. uh, they use a Steadicam. All that's great. Uh, not a fan of the writing. Not a fan of the Loomis deep fake. Um, not a fan of Tommy Doyle's performance. I, I really didn't. I, think I will great. agree with you on that. I did not yeah. think Anthony Michael Hall was great at it. I yeah. did not think he was great. I thought the rest of the cast was good, though. Yeah, yeah. I think the main people, unfortunately, Jamie Lee Curtis doesn't get a lot of time to shine. It seems like yeah. since, you know, with the pandemic and stuff, maybe she was kind of limited in her role for this movie. And it makes sense from a plot perspective, but it still was kind of uh, frustrating that she's barely in this movie. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, 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 I again, I'm not the biggest fan in this movie. I love Judy Greer and Arrested Development and all various comedy things. I did. I don't think she's great as a dramatic actress in this. Oh, um, I thought she was wonderful. I disagree. I think she's better in 2018. I don't think she's uh, so great in this one. This isn't in my top 10. This is in my honorable mentions, and I'll get to that later on. But um, yeah, so I, uh, Halloween Kills not on my list. Definitely not in my top Greg Halloween movies. Greg and Pearl are going to disown you for this. I, I don't know. Here's the thing. I think if I sat down with Greg and Pearl, they would understand where I'm coming from. Um, right. Because certainly, I mean, we, we had this discussion with Joel, uh, and it's like he was a big fan of it. You're a big fan of it. Yep. And honestly, I think Joel was very receptive to like my points. Like whenever I would say something, he would be like, "Yeah, I get that. I get why you don't like that." I'm still. But I think it. that I, 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 but I think the strengths overcome the weaknesses. Hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think it has a wider appeal than something like Rob Zombie's Halloween Two. I definitely think the kills were great, and that's. You know that this and wrong turn. If oh, the kills the weren't strong, with the multiple knives. I mean, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's great. That's a great kill. Um, it. I think it's the new characters they introduced were were good. I like Big John and Little John. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. So that's 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 good. I think they they were kind of ballsy in the end with who they yes. decided to keep alive, who they didn't. I'm not going to get into yes. that. I don't think anybody has missed this one. <laughs> if they're listening to this, they've probably heard it, watched a we fat movie. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think it was in certain regards, it was really gutsy. I think they did. I think it looks good. I think they had good kills. Writing, not the best. Pacing, not the best. And I think that this was definitely a uh, rich movie. I think this will be, this will possibly improve when we get Halloween ends because right now, Halloween Kills feels like a two towers type thing. Uh, it does not does not feel like a complete story. Um, but again, it, it is in my honorable mentions, and I'll talk more about that. that I am so rational. I thought with the exception of the hospital scene, pacing was great. I thought with the exception of Anthony Michael Hall, the performances were great. I thought the kills were great. 
I thought they did an amazing job with the flashback. I love it. But all right. What is your number three? My number three is Werewolves Within. Oh. Um, I This is another one I watched this week. Um, I love cozy winter movies. I love werewolf movies. I love fast-moving comedies. So this was this is right up my alley. Um, Scare Me, which is from the same director, Josh Rubin, uh, yep. was on my list for last year. And I think I like Werewolves Within even better. Um, wow. the, whole, the whole cast does a, a great job with the already funny material. Uh, though I think the two leads especially sell it. Uh, they're great. They have great chemistry. I mean, that scene where she's showing them around the town, she's showing the ranger around the town. That's fantastic. I thought that their their uh, rapport was really good. Um, editing was right on point. I love how you're still processing one joke while the others are coming at you. I really love that. That's, that's I mean, like all my favorite shows, like Arrested Development I've talked already about. Uh, that's one of those shows where you, you're still catching up with the last joke uh, and then they're throwing another one at you. And I love that. Um now I will say I think the horror scenes are the weakest part of the of the of this horror movie. Uh, they would be good in any other movie, but the comedy is just so good in this that it makes the average scares and werewolf design seem like subpar. Um, but uh, love the ending, love the reveal. I love how we cut the credits on a joke, uh, which is very Josh right. Rubin, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. And this is an eight out of ten for me, by the way. It didn't make my top ten, but it is in my honorable mentions. I thought it was a lot of fun. All right. Yeah, I did think it was a lot of fun. So my number three is Last Night in Soho. Sweet. Um, it's a bit of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. And I agree with other people who say it really isn't a horror movie until the third act. Sure. But yeah. I, I think like Parasite. Yeah. It's a, it, yeah. Yeah. It goes there and it gets really dark. Yeah. And I thought. Of course, we both are big fans of Edgar Wright. It's shot so well. The music's incredible. Production design is incredible. Editing is incredible. Um, but man, when it goes there, woo! Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I will be talking about this. To no one's surprise, I will be talking about Last Night in Soho later on. But, um, but yeah, I, I can't disagree with anything you said. And par- that's a great that's a great analogy, you know, likening it uh, to Parasite, because I think in a lot of ways it is um, it is similar to that with, with the pacing and, and, and how the genre flows work. And yeah, there and there are thematic parallels there, right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. All yeah. right. So what is your number two? My number two is one that you've already talked about, and that's St. Maud. Um, this was another one I watched this week. Um, I'm so glad I watched it. Um, because I was going to go with something else, and then I went with this last minute. Fantastic performance from, as you already said, from Morphid Clark. Yes. But I was most impressed, actually, with Jennifer Ale from Contagion and Zero Dark Thirty. Ah, uh, okay. She was insanely good as Amanda, um, and she, won- she was who I nominated for the Fangoria Best Supporting Actor Chainsaw Award, definitely, because she was great as Amanda. It wasn't even a contest. She blew the competition away. Uh, like Maud and Amanda's interactions are so real. Like every scene they're in together should be shown in film schools with how actors can bounce off each other. Um, and uh, honestly, I like this movie more when it was a slow character drama, like the first two acts. Um, but I still found it super engage- engaging once it become becomes a horror movie uh, because there is kind of a tonal shift at some point. 
it's it's another one of those movies where we see a character like slowly spiral out of control. It's like a car crash you can't look away from. Maud is right. just slowly losing her mind. Um, and then the ending. And, you know, it's absolutely yeah. horrifying. Yes. Love, love, love this movie. It's the first feature, like I said, for the director, and she did an outstanding job. Um, I knowing where it goes, I always love rewatching movies that have kind of like a dark and twisted ending. Knowing where it goes, rewatching it and seeing if it holds up. So um, I haven't done that yet. I want to do that. So my rating may change either way in the future. Uh, but for now, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. And I think this is a must-see if you liked Relic and Possessor from last year, mm-hmm. like I did. And if you still love Hereditary and watch Hereditary every year, like I do, I think this is a must-see. It's that same kind of like grim, uh, slow-moving, kind of surreal uh, movie. But it is still very grounded. There's lots of scenes that are, it's very clear what's going on, and the characters are just so good. So 8.5 out of 10, St. Maud is my number two. <laughs> Another one I watched this week, I it, my list would have been so much more lacking if I had not seen these movies this week. <laughs> if my sickness had just lasted a little bit longer, phew, boy, <laughs> this, it, it, my list would have been really pitiful. All right, so... All right, my number two is the movie that I thought broke brought the most tension, the most Mm. suspense this year. It caught me completely by surprise because I knew nothing about it going in. It's the boy behind the door. Nice. So I, like I said, I knew nothing about this. Um, There are faults in the film. However, watching it, I found myself literally yelling at the TV when Mm. I was watching it. Like, don't, 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 just go, 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 go get help, go. And that's when I realized it had sucked me in. Yeah. And so I love the boy behind the door. So I I really think is, but I know a lot of people are like so-so on it. Yeah, that's that's where I am. Yeah, I give it three stars. Um, Uh... I I, see, now I'm going to jump to its defense really quick. The fact that you were screaming at the TV going, go, go, get help. That would make sense in a regular movie, but these are children, you know? So, you, like, the fact that you'd be frustrated with their decision-making makes sense. I mean, it's a, he's a bright kid, but he's still a kid. Right. Um, so he's going to be he's gonna be a little bit slower to think of the things that, that an adult viewer would. But, uh, yeah, so I'm jumping to the defense of the boy behind the door. It is like that, but that's purposeful. So, uh, but, yeah, I didn't... I didn't love this one. I think there are a handful of great scenes. I think that scene in the kitchen with the first guy confronting yeah. the kid and how that all plays out. Um, I think that was great. And I think that guy is really creepy. I think the reveal wasn't much of a reveal. I'm hearing a lot of people say, what a twist with who the captor is. No, I I'm not really think sure it was why. a twist. Yeah, yeah why I, would that I be a twist that you, it's... Yeah. Can I, I agree with you on that. I, I just thought that because of the suspense and the tension, that's yeah. what made it a great film. Yeah, and but uh, and uh, another reason why it didn't make my list. I think I told you this. I f- don't feel like it's anything I haven't seen before. It's it's kind of a combination of like misery and the people under the stairs. Really, just not anything that feels super but original. The fact those that those made my top ten lists in those years. I yeah, mean, yeah, but it's not. It doesn't feel original though. That's the thing. And like a lot of the the tension elements, where it's like, oh, they're coming. You better get out of there. It was like, oh, I've seen this in misery. It's like this exact tension scene, and he gets out of it the same way. 
So I, I, I wasn't blown away by it. I think the child actors did a good job, um, especially the, the kid who's um, like free and trying to free his friend. I think right. he did a really good job. Um, I think it's shot well. I think it's paced well. It's a, it's a short movie. But, um, but yeah, it didn't blow me away. Uh, and the reveal that everybody's talking about wasn't really a reveal for me. I don't know why people are freaking out about that. It makes just as much sense for what's revealed to have happened as anything else. So, anyways, um, didn't I make my list. I didn't didn't make my honorable mentions. I wasn't looking for a twist. Yeah, I just thought the suspension was there. I mean, the entire time I was looked, I was just all in with those two kids, rooting for them. I just wanted them to get out. Think of like wait until dark, something like that. And yeah. so that's why it was so high on my list. Yeah. And that, I hate that you said that now because now I'm thinking like, oh yeah, wait until dark. That is another thing that this movie is kind of ripping off. <laughs> it's, yep. it's not it's not original at all, really. This is the boy behind the but door. But it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's original slashers these days aren't original. If is, yeah. is it done well? Does it draw you in? And it did for me. Okay. I, I still think the most original thing about this is the title, but uh, and the rest of it's pretty much just derivative. But uh, I did I did enjoy myself, and like I said, it's, it's got a short runtime, so it's not a big investment. No, so, it's not. Yeah, um, it, it is quick run. So I'd recommend seeing it because a lot of people I respect did enjoy it more than I did. So it's it's really not that big of an investment. So yeah, that's uh, that did make my honorable mentions. That would be like number thirteen if I made it a top fifteen. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I did enjoy it, but again, it didn't blow me away. All right. Before we get to our number ones, what are your honorable mentions? I've got two honorable mentions. These would be like my 12 and 11 in my top 15. Number 12 is one you've talked about Halloween kills. Um, I, 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 as I distance myself from the movie, I think I've grown to appreciate how over the top and stupid it is. Um, like, honestly, I feel like it'd just be like a fun movie to throw on. You know, it's not very, it it, it's it, a great movie to throw on. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that would be good. Is it on Peacock still or well, what it happened is, with that? Yes, so there you go. Yeah. It's on Peacock. So it feels like it'd be a good one to throw on. Um, it's like if a dumb early 80s slasher was made now. Okay. It's like the slumber party massacre of 2021. Yeah. Um, which I liked, which I liked. Yeah. And I do like that. It doesn't take itself super seriously. It tries to have a little bit of a message, but I don't feel like it fully communicates that well, but the kills are great. Michael is scary again. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, I still feel like it's a little bit of like a bridge movie. It doesn't really stand on its own. If you haven't seen 2018 and Halloween ends turns out bad, I don't think this movie is going to be able to stand on its own, but having seen 2018, having enjoyed 2018, I, I still enjoyed Halloween kills. It's sitting at a six out of 10 for me right now. And it's my number 12. And uh, my number 11, my second honorable mention, is one that I'm pretty sure will be on your honorable mentions as well, and that's Jacob's Wife, which is one we watched together. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the first act was shaky. Uh, the performance has hadn't settled in yet, I don't think. The movie hadn't settled in yet. The horror scenes in the first act really I agree didn't work that. for me. Second and third acts were strong, though. I will give it that. I love yeah. the comedy scenes when we have that, uh, the, well, I'll just say vaguely, the husband walking in on something. Yeah, I absolutely love that scene. I thought it was fantastic. And after that, it really kind of becomes its own movie. Um, uh, Barbara Crampton was fantastic. I thought the whole cast was fantastic. What, what's the name of the actor that played her husband? Because he, Jacob himself, was fantastic. Larry well. Fessenden, yeah. 
That's right. He was great. I thought even in the first act, he was great, where I hadn't really gelled with Barbara Crampton's character yet. I think once she undergoes her transformation, she her performance comes stronger because she's more confident. I think in the first act, where she's kind of just like an unassuming housewife, well, I think really that didn't do anything purpose, for me. But it was... But, sure. Yeah, but, but I think Barbara Crampton is great in everything. Yeah. I think she was definitely having more fun with the character in the second and third act, which is why I liked her more, because it seemed like she was, wasn't... 100% with in the first act but um I wasn't as hot on the on the scares in the movie like that first thing with the rat attack on the guy with the rats coming out of the coffin that looked really goofy he's just got a bunch of stuffed animals glued to him um I think that the head vampire um who there's a reveal with the vampire I won't use pronouns because that's kind of a, a little bit of a reveal um I thought that was really cool. I love the fact that it's more of a Nosferatu vampire rather than a Dracula vampire. I think that's always more interesting and scarier. Um, even even in a movie where like if they, they maybe they look like a regular person, but then they transform into the vampire, their true form is that. I find that more interesting than the Twilight vampire where they just kind of look like a regular person all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, yeah, Jacob's Life, I really enjoyed the second and third acts. Um, I thought there was a lot of great, like, comedy, like, settings for comedy. When you set a vampire movie in the suburbs, I mean, we've seen this over and over again with Fright Night. It's, it's just, it, it's always funny. Because it, just putting something so, like, seemingly distant, like something from Transylvania in a suburb and, and mm -hmm. uh, Midwestern or mid Middle East, you know, uh, uh, America, it's just really funny. So, yeah, six out of ten for Jacob's Wife. That's my honorable mentions. Uh, now I'm curious to hear yours. Well, I have several, um, and I will, after this episode is released, uh, open up my uh, letterbox top ten with where I also listed all my honorable mentions. Mm -hmm. I thought Vicious Fun lived up to the title, where a guy mm -hmm. wanders into a serial killer support group. Um, Psycho Goreman was a hecking blast, and you have to see that movie to understand what that's... I, I, I already understand from the reviews I've seen. That's, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. Not my hunky boys. Um, <laughs> the Medium and Detention were really good foreign films. They didn't make and my list. But you I watched Detention really... just today or yesterday, didn't yesterday. you? Yeah, yesterday. And it, it was very good. It, it didn't... There were times when I kind of wandered in and out, but it, sure. it is a beautifully shot film. It's well-made. The Power was in my top 10 for a while, so was Sun. Okay. Um, and this is for Gilman Joel. As I said, Malignant is good, but when you guess the ending, even by a fluke, it just doesn't quite stick the landing. Right. Um, I like the Fear Street trilogy a lot. Superhost is, is a blast, mm. um, as is the last matinee. So okay. I'll put those out there. Um <clears throat> What is your number one, Jackson? Oh, boy. I'm excited to talk about this one. It's one you've already talked about, but I'm going to go in-depth on it. Last Night in Soho is my number one horror film of the year, to no surprise to anyone. I think when they didn't hear this earlier in the list, they were yeah. like, okay, well, it's number one. Uh, now, admittedly, like Huge a— Huge Edgar Wright fan. Yeah, th I am a fanboy of Edgar Wright. And, you know, Shaun of the Dead and Scott Pilgrim are in my top ten of all time. Right. 
But I went in with no expectations whatsoever, okay? I purposely missed all the promotional material. I actually plugged my ears and covered my eyes when the trailer came on in the theater. I was going to see something else, and it came on. As soon as I realized what it was, I was like, nope, nope. I covered my eyes. I plugged my ears. I was not going to have anything spoiled for me. I didn't even know what kind of movie it would be. I had heard it was a horror movie. I didn't know if it was supernatural. I didn't know what it was. So I went in completely blind, and I loved it. It worked for me on every level, every twist and turn. I saw it with my girlfriend, and she loved it too, even though I didn't tell her it was a horror movie going in. Um, she had seen Scott Pilgrim, and that's it. So I think it was probably a little bit of a surprise for her. But um, but what it was did she a, think of it? She loved it, and oh, she, okay. and uh, yeah, so that was great. It was such a great experience, like watching the movie being violently battered through all the horrific reveals, and then getting to talk about it with my friends afterwards, like just make connections I missed during the movie. That was so good. Uh, the cast was great. The score was beautiful. I love the look and feel of the movie. And I love period movies. And this has like the best of both worlds. It's set in a contemporary setting. And then it has period elements to it. Um, best so use just, of, of the song Downtown. Yes, absolutely. With a cover by Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. Uh, so, that yeah, that's fantastic. I can't wait to own this movie on Blu-ray. Um, it's not my top three Edgar Wright movies. That would be Shaun of the Dead, Scott Pilgrim, and Hot Fuzz. I don't think it touches those, but I do think it's above The World's End and Baby Driver for me. So it's not his best. It's I not think it's worst. better than Hot Fuzz, uh, even though I like Hot Fuzz. I, I, I do I really think it's a great movie. Yeah, I, I don't think it touches Hot Fuzz for me. That's just something special happens whenever he works with Simon Pegg. Whenever Simon Pegg co-produces something with with uh, Edgar Wright, I think that's really special. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, be it's definitely be better than Baby Driver for me. Um, I love Baby Driver too, but that, that would be like a 7 out of 10 for me. This is a 9 out of 10. Um, I haven't seen Sparks yet, the documentary, but I doubt that'll top this. So I right. feel pretty confident in my placement of it. Um, but anyways, yeah, nine out of ten for last night. Last night in Soho, I loved it. Um, I loved every aspect of it. When it was just kind of a drama with this girl's life, I was into that. When it became kind of a period kind of fantasy thing, like a, um, I don't even know, like a never-ending story type thing almost, where she's in and out of the fantasy. I really like that as well. And then when it becomes a horror movie, just wow. I, I was just, I loved it all yeah. the way through. Um, so yeah, nine out of ten. That's my number one of the year. And this was Diana Riggs' last movie. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And she's well, great as the landlord. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, she was fantastic. And and uh, no, again, no spoilers, but her character, man, just a lot of power there. Um, so, yeah, she was fantastic. And what a way to go out. I mean, a great performance and a great movie. Yeah. Agreed. So. My number one, you know what it is. I'm ready. Say his name. Do I have to say it three times? Five times? <laughs> Candyman. Yep. Um, I love this movie. It is, I thought it was great from the beginning. It has grown on me. I think Nia DaCosta is a brilliant director. We agreed on that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And this is, I mean, she's directed things before, but this is, I think, the first time she's been really handed the reins to something big, and yep. she handles it really well. I mean, the shots, the performances, I mean... It's incredible that there is a kill in this movie. If you haven't seen it, shame on you. Yeah. In an apartment building where yep. they pull back a crane shot. Mm -hmm. How incredible is that shot? Yeah, that's great. And that's, I mean, we talked about that at length. That's one of the three or four amazing shots I mentioned in my review of this, uh, in my top 10 list. Yeah, there are some great shots. I mean, I even love the shot, you know, preceding that part 
where he's in the mirror. He's looking in the mirror and yeah. sees Candyman. That's a great scene as well. Um, so, yeah, great, great cinematography uh, in this movie. Oh, but also great performances, great editing, great pacing, great score. Um, and as much as I want to give credit to, to Nia DaCosta, I mean, you can see Jordan Peele's hands in the screenplay. Definitely. I mean, even just little things, because he pays attention to detail. Like when they mention that this artist's exhibit is where two people are murdered, he goes, they said my name. Yeah. Yep. I love that. That's that, that. And I hate to admit it, but honestly, I think all of us can relate a little bit to that. Being on the news is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just I love it. I love it more and more. I bought it. I mean, I just think it is so well shot. I think it is timely. Mm -hmm. Jay of the Dead loves it as well, but he called the social me message ham-fisted. I disagree with that. Now, I think I, the social I, message is actually really well done. I tend to agree with Jay on this one. Oh, I think, no. I, think I, I don't, I'm not um, up in arms like some people are, where they're like, they, they, for some, some people are obvi obviously they have prejudices. It's basically a Black Lives Matter message, but I'm but, not. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I think the writing with the brother at some points was a little bad. And those two, those two uh, white art critics or whatever, the like the, the, you know what I'm talking about, the must go faster couple, and the Joy Division yeah, but, couple but really I've, did not. I've met that couple. Yeah, I mean, but so... it doesn't make it any less cringy to watch that in a feature okay, film. Okay, but it's still realistic if you've been there. And so I think it's I because I think it's realistic. I think it's fantastic. I, I think what it does, especially we get a very special cameo. Yeah. Which I, and I love the way they twist and spin the Candyman legend. Yeah. And yeah, definitely. I love that. I, I'm, I'm not as hot on it as you again, it was in my top uh, 10, but I do think the cameo, I mean, we get, not no spoilers we get two people from the original right coming back we get the voice of another um but uh but yeah i i honestly was expecting a little bit more with the final cameo i was expecting him to be a little bit more present um but uh i guess it makes sense that being you know shot during the pandemic some of it i'm, I'm sure was shot during the pandemic and him being you know up there in age probably didn't want to expose him too much but um but yeah anyways um, I, I did like the movie. I didn't love it as much as you. Uh, I think that was even. I think that was apparent from our podcast review, and I did that right after watching it. I was super hot on it, uh, and even then, we could tell that I liked it a little bit less than you. I and I've only soured on it. Genius. I think it has gone up. Originally, I think I gave it a nine. Now I think about a nine point five. At some point in rewatch, I have the Blu-ray now. I haven't watched the extras. It may go up to a ten. I think it's genius. I wow. think it is timely. I think the performances are brilliant. Mm. I think the screenplay is great. I think it makes its point without being, I disagree with Jay. I don't think it's ham-fisted at all. I think it, it gives the point without beating you over the brow with it. I think the cinematography, which we both agreed is amazing. Yeah. I mean, just amazing. I mean, it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a film school class on how to do modern cinematography. Mm. I mean, some of the shots in this are just incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and so Candyman, absolute best. All right. Yeah, that, that I, 
I again we've we disagree on our. I mean, we had a lot of overlap. Obviously, it's a different placement, yeah. and we may disagree on our our number ones. But I think overall, we both we can both agree that if a movie's on either of our lists, it's probably worth seeing. You still liked Candyman. You gave it a I positive still, view. Still like Candyman, and you loved Last Night in Soho. So I don't yes. think there's there's any disagreement there. Um, so yeah, that's that's their top ten list. Do you want to talk for a moment, maybe about our most anticipated movies of the next year? Yes, let's talk about what we're looking forward to in 2022. So what okay. are you? Well, I've got the big three. Okay, we've got Nope by Jordan Peele, The Northman yes. by Robert Eggers, and Disappointment Boulevard by Ari Aster. I think those are the big three everybody's looking forward to. Well, I'm not so sure that's people's big three. I know that would be your big three because I know what a big fan right. you are of Robert Eggers and of Ari Aster. I think that probably in that big three for most people, one is one's already come out, which is the new Scream movie. Right, which I haven't seen yet. I planned on seeing it. I haven't either. Uh, I planned on seeing it Friday night. My friends convinced me to rewatch the new Spider-Man movie instead, uh, which is what I ended up doing. So I'll have to watch Scream alone, I guess. But um, yeah, that's a big one. And I think I know what you're going to say. I think Halloween Ends is probably Halloween the big one. Ends, but I would agree with you at the top of my list is and you know what a fanboy i am jordan mm. peele's nope yeah and we know virtually nothing about nope we nothing. have a poster with that gives away nothing we have a cloud and a kite tail and so i'm really not sure what's uh, going on with that we don't the... know daniel kalua is back that's right uh, yes uh, but that's you know other than that we don't know hardly anything they've really nothing. kept this under wraps but we don't I know can't... anything about Disappointment Boulevard either, the Ari Aster movie. We have no, nothing. The, the, it's coming out this Although year. But the... I hear that's more of a thriller than a horror movie. I've heard that too. And I'm I'm curious to see. I, I It being Ari Aster, I don't think there's any way there won't be one thing that'll traumatize me in that. Sure. Like, there has to be one thing. But again, we know nothing about Disappointment Boulevard. No poster even yet. It's coming out this year, but the poster, if you look it up, is just a picture of Ari Aster. So there's, we know yeah. virtually nothing about either of those movies. We know a little bit more about The Norsemen. Uh, we know it's a period piece. We know it's, I'm pretty sure it's also going to be in black and white like The Lighthouse. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be at a four by three ratio like the lighthouse was, but um, I'm curious about that. I love Robert Eggers. Each movie for me has been getting better. I mean, I love the, the witch, but the lighthouse was man. That was that was at the top of my list. Yeah, it was that year. So I, I am a big fan, and we need to mention one uh, movie. Sure. Jay of the Dead mentioned this today. Uh, well, not today. It came out last Wednesday, but I just listened to it today. Mm-hmm. And we should mention that Jay has a new horror podcast. Yeah. Jay of the Dead's new horror movies mm-hmm. um, with our buddies Gilman Joel and Dave Dr. Schockbecker and Watson. Um, and he gave a shout out to a movie we watched together, which he said was not a horror movie, which we both agreed about. Yeah. But we think is horror adjacent. And we think horror movie fans, especially movie buffs, will like, which is Guillermo de Toro's Nightmare Alley. Yeah. Yeah, I love, and this is another one that's grown on me and rewatched. When I when we came out of the theater, I think I was a little bit like I I really enjoyed it and I thought that it was shot well. Um, I think we both agree that it ran a little long. Yeah. Um, but uh, masterfully made. Definitely not a horror movie. This is it's kind of the same. It's not. It the does same go. Genre. It does go dark though. Definitely very dark third act. I mean, there's dark stuff throughout. I mean, from the very beginning with our character, our main character, but. 
Um, in, in the same way, I'm not saying it's a romance movie like uh, like The Shape of Water, but in the same way that The Shape of Water is primarily one genre, but it has touches of horror in it, Nightmare Alley is primarily like a crime noir movie that has uh, touches of horror in it. Um, but we and, both agreed we thought that horror movie fans who were also just cinephiles would like yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely, because it feels so classic. It feels like a classic movie. Yeah. Um, and uh, very well made. Great performances from every, I mean, Tony Collette, Bradley Cooper, great performances. Um, I, I, th- I thought it was fantastic, and, and uh, Del Toro delivered again. Um, so yeah, that's de- definitely horror adjacent. Same with the Green Knight I mentioned earlier. If that was a little bit more, there are more horror elements than that. I think that would be um, that would be on this list. And, and even now, I'm debating whether I should amend my list and put that on it because we do get that that uh, flash. A lot of people scene. have put it on the list. Now, I yeah. haven't seen it. I actually haven't seen it yet. You you told me when you got out of it that you loved it. Your friends yeah. not so much. Um, I say but, get on it. I say I say definitely don't let this one pass you by. It does have it has the horror aspects to it, um, and then the ending. Like there's a there's a there's a scene. I won't spoil what the context is, but there's a scene that shows this kind of horrific future that feels more bleak than anything in most horror movies. I mean, it's very A twenty four this bleak yeah. future reality. Um, so, but so, I yeah. think we both agree that. Those of us who overlap with being cinephiles and horror movie fans, yeah, like like for example, just to give an example, Dave, Doctor Shock Becker, Nightmare yeah. Alley is worth seeing. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, um, yeah, and and Halloween ends. I'm curious about Halloween ends, but I'm keeping my expectations low. Um, I'm not not gonna let myself get excited for it because I wasn't excited for Halloween Kills. I think if I had been excited for Halloween Kills. I probably would have liked it less, uh, but since since I was I was going in as blind as possible, and I wasn't getting my hopes up too much because we had just covered the Halloween series, and I had seen how many kind of subpar Halloween movies there are. Um, I, I think I went in with with tempered expectations, but um, but yeah, as far I mean, as far as non horror, and this has nothing to do with horror. There isn't even a single horror aspect to it. But the French Dispatch, the new Wes Anderson movie, is my favorite oh. of the year, oh. um, right up there with the Green. But Night. you're a big Wes Anderson fan, of course. Of course, yeah. I'm a big Wes Anderson fan. So. Yeah, I'm not as big as yours. I do like a lot of his movies, especially the Royal Tenenbaums. But yeah, there you go. But anyway. Um, well, let's thank our supporters over at Patreon before we talk about what we're covering next and some things that we have planned. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by our supporters at Patreon, and you can join for as little as $2.50 a month. And for that, you can be on the podcast. You can suggest movies or themes, and you get bonus episodes, and you can vote in our upcoming horror Oscar show. So, Jackson, this is officially our episode 98 Yes, it is. It's crazy. I mean, it, it feels like uh, like it's only yesterday that we started, but we have 98 episodes to show for it. So I guess we probably couldn't record those in one day. No, and we have episode 100 in sight. So. Yes, that's crazy. I mean, I've, I know that podcasts have gotten further. I mean, you were on episode 200 of Land of the Creeps. And, yep. but, uh, but I mean, they've been doing that a long time and we're almost at 100. So it's it's absolutely crazy. I'm looking forward to doing more in the new year. I, I miss those series we used to do. We used to, you know, do a, a director uh, spotlight yeah. and do. A, I'm looking forward to doing some of those in the new year. 
Um, so yeah, that, I'm looking forward uh, to that. We've had some suggestions from we our sure Patreon have. supporters, so yes. we may be doing that. So, and sometimes we go off script and talk mm-hmm. about non-horror. We did our tribute to Quentin Tarantino, a two-episode, you know, thing we did with Dave Becker and Bill the Butcher. So, but soon, very soon, we are announcing our horror Oscar nominees. Yes. That's going to be exciting because I know that our, our loyal Patreon supporters are going to be listening to the episode and deliberating. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to putting out those polls and seeing what people think because I, I get a general idea of what people thought of this year from seeing like Trey's reviews and Ian West's mm-hmm. reviews. I get a general idea of what people like and don't like. But honestly, I was seeing people, what they were tweeting about with the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, and I was surprised by what some people were saying were were the best uh, supporting roles or the best limited release movies. Like, I was surprised by that. So I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to having fun with the categories because we always come up with some wacky categories. We're not doing just the Oscar categories. We always come up with, you know, best kill and stuff like that. So um, really looking forward to that. This will be our second inaugural uh, or second annual uh, horror oscars and uh definitely looking forward to that yep and we'll be talking about what we'll do during beyond that mm. we also have invitations to be on other podcasts so yes we yeah, have those coming up uh, including uh we've been invited to guest on headlong into monsters with our buddies yes. Raul and barely ashley so one of my favorite new pop-up podcasts uh what i mean i loved it when raul was doing it but when when she joined it really just you How know, great is Barely Ashley? How she's fantastic. Is she? Every episode she's been on of ours, she's added something great. Uh, yep. And now I think as a co-host of, of Headlong and the Monsters, she's doing a great job. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to join them uh, to possibly at some point. I don't know when this will happen, but at some point uh, have a hard, a, st- a stern talking to with Raul about his thoughts on The Shining. Uh, I will have to give him a stern talking to because I can the the slander that comes out of his mouth towards Stanley Kubrick's The Shining can't believe it. I know. So you can find more over at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com, and we have a Twitter account at at fathersonhorror, and we have a closed but growing Facebook page. Where can they find you online, buddy? You can find me on Twitter at kane underscore hero twelve. That's k a i n e underscore hero twelve. And uh, from there, you can find my Letterboxd and YouTube channel. Uh, definitely check the Letterboxd to see, because I got, like I said, I, I've got some movies I need to I need to finish, I need to put on the list, and my my list will update. So after this one goes live, I'll release my my updated list. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited to see how it shakes out, because it always, this always happens to me, okay? I make my top 10 list, and then I see my new favorite movie of the year, and I'm like, ah. I wish I could go back and edit and edit deep fake my voice in the in the old episode and change it. But um, yeah, so definitely check the letterbox. Definitely check the Patreon too. I've I've got I've had things in the works for so long uh, on the Patreon. I feel so bad because I've just been tinkering them and not well, releasing anything. Well, but you've also had some health issues. Yeah, which you're dealing with, so. I've I've been very let's just say very busy this last month. Um, but we excitingly we do have also a new thing that we're coming out and that that will I think that that'll be uh, out pretty soon. Our review of Scream. We're looking forward to reviewing Scream for the Patreon. Yes. Um, so as soon as I see that, we'll record that and put that on the Patreon. Yeah, and uh, I haven't seen it yet because we've had a spike in Omicron yep. cases here, and I haven't been boosted yet. That's 
going to happen this week. Yeah. And so I hope to see it soon. But I'm in a literally in a county of 70,000 people, um, which is not big. And we're averaging 355 new cases a day. Not good. Uh, no, yeah. not good. And only 45 percent of the population here uh, vaccinated. So yeah. but they say right, definitely. I, I mean, as much as I, as much as I want to see scream uh, and I have had my my three shots as much as I want to see scream, I'm still wary. You know, I'm still I'm still thinking about that. I don't blame you. So. All right, buddy. Say goodbye to the good people. Uh, goodbye. Okay, let me just steal a couple of podcast outros here to round yes. out the new year. Uh, goodbye, be good people, and help keep horror alive in 2022. <laughs> Very good. So, thanks for listening. Until next time, remember the family that watches horror together slays together. See you next time. Once again, I want to thank our Patreon supporters who make this podcast possible. Billy D, Greg Russell, Stefan Sitter, Raul Rivera, Ryan Bratton, Greg and Pearl from Land of the Creeps, James McFeeders, Ian West, Ashley Pinkard, Ian Urza, Brian Scott, Dan George, Dave Becker, Kevin Corby, Jonathan Edge, Blake Pops, Joel Robertson, Amy Swan, Trey Whetstone, and Greg Bench. Thank you all so much. Thank you for the continued support. Once again, you make this podcast possible, and I'm eternally grateful. Before uh, before we, we end this here, Malignant, you said you had two ideas of where it could go. What else could explain the movie other than a conjoined twin? What was your other idea? That, that it was just when she got her head hit hmm. that she was concussed and she just had memory loss. Okay, memory uh, loss. Or like a split personality be, maybe? Because, yeah, when, when they showed that, when she was with her boyfriend and her boyfriend slammed her head against the wall and people started showing up dead i'm like okay well that's like pavlov's you know that that that's like Chekhov's gun i mean that's yeah. gonna that's obviously shown you where it's going so it has yeah. something to do with the head so it's either in her head and she has some kind of mental problem or she has some kind because of, i think back to a 70s movie called the manitou um which i think they were definitely riffing off of which was basically a swa a conjoined twin i was like okay it has to be one of those two and so like i watched it i enjoyed it i thought it was okay but then it was like the the big twist comes and they treat it so dramatically i'm like sure yeah i saw that coming an hour and 15 minutes ago so yeah. okay okay i see well <laughs> that movie made my top 10 <laughs> that stupid, stupid it's movie. not a bad movie i i it's think it will make i think it's well it's dumb but i think it's fun yeah so, but I just, like I said, I saw where it was going, but, and I, I feel like a horse's butt to go. I, I saw where it was going, but I did. I'm yeah. just trying to be honest. So, I mean, it was just like, you know, maybe it's being a former criminal lawyer and a criminal prosecutor. Do you know what ah, I mean? Yeah. It, it, you ran into that a lot, did you? The conjoined yeah. twin coming out of the head? No, I saw a lot of weird theories that defense attorneys threw out. So, oh, I mean, sure. it was just, but anyway, you just kind of learned to overthink things, but yeah.